Thank you, Lord. Thank you for another day. Thank you that uh, we're able to gather, that we're able to celebrate. Uh, thank you for the anticipation that, that goes with the, uh, with the season. We all are looking forward to the time that we share together with friends and family. Uh, Lord, may we always remember that uh, you are the reason that we gather, uh, that it's what you did, what you started, really what you started at the beginning of creation, but uh, what uh, came, began to come together at the time of your arrival here on earth that we celebrate uh, at this time of year, uh, that you came uh, to give your life for us, that we're even here, that we're even celebrating together. And uh, look forward to look forward to seeing uh, what you're going to do as we go through a new beginning of sorts. Thank you, Lord, once again. Open our hearts to hear from your word. Uh, let my words be your words today. Uh, be strong where I am weak. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Anybody who has traveled with kids has heard the, the dreaded question, are we there yet? <laughs> I'm sure I asked it. I don't remember asking it, but I'm, I'm sure my parents might have a different story. Uh, my memories, actually, though, of road trips are, are mostly positive. I, I never minded them too much. Uh, and there, there were always stops for special treats. Dad would stop somewhere, and everybody would get to usually get to have something that you didn't maybe normally get to have on a regular basis. And so road trips were always a bit of an adventure, even if we were just going somewhere we, we went all the time. Uh, I always enjoyed them, but uh, I seem to remember the younger ones asking. Asking the question. Of course, I remember them and not me, right? Right. <laughs> but kids generally have a poor sense of time and they haven't learned patience. I know some adults that uh, still haven't learned. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes our trip through life can be a bit like that, though, can't it? Uh, has its unpleasant moments. It has those long periods where you have the same old, same old thing, like driving through West Texas, nothing but fields and cows, for miles and miles and miles and miles. And sometimes life gets to feel like that. Or you have your occasional excitement that you didn't really want. Uh, you have your slow traffic, you have your uh, close calls, and yeah, maybe sometimes you have a crash. And sometimes we have the same question, maybe, as we go through life. Lord, are we there yet? Right. Can we get, how long? How long before we get there? I'm ready to be there. Exactly, amen. And Jesus' disciples, I think, may have had the same question at times. Because it's recorded that even right up until the day of his or the day of or shortly before his ascension, they're asking him, uh, "Okay, Lord, are we there yet? Is it now? Are you going to take over now?" 
They, they, even though they knew so much more by that time, they'd seen the resurrected Lord, they still didn't have the whole picture. Right. Uh, even, okay, crazy. But Jesus did his best to prepare them. And yet, he knew, and we're going to see that today, but he knew uh, that only experience would teach them what they really needed to know. But in his love and, and his care for his friends, he's, he's doing everything he can in this passage that we've been studying over the past few months uh, to, to prepare them and get them ready for what's about to happen. Right. We are in chapter 16. Jesus has been talking to his disciples. Probably at this point they're, they're in route. Uh, we don't really know for sure, but it would seem plausible in that the disciples are having discussions that Jesus is uh, Aware, uh, seems to be aware of only because he is who he is. Uh, they're, they're talking among themselves, and then he uh, he knows what they're asking. He knows he knows they want to ask him something, so he goes ahead and addresses it. But he's preparing them for his departure, and he's been speaking. He's been teaching them that they need to love each love one another, right. uh, teaching them that. Love for him is expressed in their obedience, and that that obedience involves loving each other. That's right. Amen. He has he talked about his impending departure, and then about the coming of the Holy Spirit. And we come to chapter sixteen, where we were last week, and we studied the first fifteen verses, where. He continues the discussion that he's he, he's been having with them, uh, and continues his discussion or, or, or discourse on the, the persecution that they're going to suffer uh, for his namesake. And he says that he tells them he's, he's telling them so that they will uh, so that they'll be ready, so they won't be caught off guard by it, so that they won't be disheartened by it. And he also tells them he's going to send the Holy Spirit. And what the Holy Spirit is going to do, the Holy Spirit is, is there to convict of sin and also to guide to the truth. Amen. And to speak the very words of Jesus. Amen. And so now he has returned to the, the topic of his departure and return. And he's, he says, you're, you're sad now. You're sorrowful now, but you're... You're going, it's going to be turned into joy. Right. And you're going to have a new and better relationship with the Heavenly Father because of what's about to happen. He loves you. And He loves you not, I'm getting ahead of myself, but it's just so wonderful to think about. The Heavenly Father loves you. And, and not just the way, you know, it says that he loved the world and he gave his, you know, gave his only son, right? We know that, we know that scripture. That's a love that doesn't require anything in return. It's a love that's freely given. Amen. But he also loves you the way that a father loves a child. He loves you the way that uh, 
your friend or your brother might love you. He likes you. He appreciates who you are. Yeah. He should. He created you that way. Amen. But there is a there is a deepening of that love relationship that comes. And I'm getting, again, I'm getting ahead of myself, but it's just so wonderful. Uh, that comes because you love Jesus. Right. Because you love Jesus. Okay. Heavenly Father has a special love for you. Amen. Anyway, let me get back to right back to where I'm supposed to be at. <laughs> he starts out, and I'm gonna skip a few ver I'm gonna skip a few verses as we go through this because it's a long passage and I'm trying to uh, trying to be sensitive at the time. But in verse 16, he starts out. He says, a little while, or, or I say he starts out, he's continuing to speak. He says, a little while, and you will no longer see me. And again a little while, and you will see me. And the disciples, in the next few verses, are uh, discussing this among themselves. What does he mean? He, uh, and then what does he mean about going to the Father? Right. And they might have been a little bit confused, too, because just back in verse 10, he said, uh, you're not going to see me anymore. I'm going to go to the Father. You're not going to see me anymore. Okay, well, now you're saying a little while and you're going to see me. What do you mean? Mm -hmm. But they're not asking him. They're discussing with themselves. Right. Jesus, though, knowing that, that they have this question, is going to address it. But even as he addresses it, it leaves us with some, some ambiguity, some ambiguity, some question. Uh, we're still asking the question, what did he mean? Right. <clears throat> and the, there's discussion over what he meant, what, what he meant by that. Did he mean uh, when he's the little while before he returns, before they see him again, did he mean after he's raised his race from the dead? That'd be just a little while. That'd just be about four days off. Uh, did he mean to revert to his presence in the person of the Holy Spirit? Because he's also been teaching that the Holy Spirit is, is there to uh, basically to represent him, to represent Father, and, and to speak on their behalf. So uh, that wouldn't be that far off either. That'd be, that'd be just a little ways off. Or... Did he mean, is he referring there to his ultimate return uh, when he comes back to rule and reign forever, which is yet in our future? Now, a little while would seem to argue for either the first or the second possibility, but when you consider that we're talking about an eternal God, all the whiles are little when you compare them to eternity. Right. But and then there's an argument against uh, against one that some make or, or excuse, for the first possibility that some make because uh, if he was talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit, he's just been making the point of the Holy Spirit being a, a separate person. Right. Uh, that that uh, the Holy Spirit is not Jesus, and so he couldn't be talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit. On the other hand, though, Jesus has just been saying that he will be with them. And then the way that he'll be with them is through the Spirit. So, I think, and you know, uh, we, we have a big, my Thursday morning Bible study, we, we, we call that ideology. You know, and uh, it's worth 
about that much. <laughs> but I think that uh, there is a, a dual meaning here, or, or uh, I don't know what the word would be, the three at once. But all of the, all of the above uh, could be rolled up in what Jesus is saying here. But he says, if we keep reading now, from, from I'm going to skip to verse 20. Truly, truly, I say to you, that you will cry and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. Whenever a woman is in labor, she has sorrow, because her hour has come. But when she gives birth to the child... She no longer remembers the suffering because of the joy that a child has been born into the world. Therefore, you too have sorrow now. But you will see me again, and your heart will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. When this happens... He says, when, when I'm taken away, when I leave you, the world's going to rejoice. The world's going to be happy about it. And certainly the, the Pharisees were happy about it. They, they got rid of their problem, they thought. Oh, they, they just didn't know it. And the Romans, they got rid of another Jewish troublemaker. They had to be one less person they'd have to worry about. So the world's pretty happy. But the story's not over yet. He's coming back. He came back. Amen. He was raised. And he, he, he uh, appeared to the disciples the, uh, over a period of about 40 days. And, uh, and then he ascended. And he's coming back again. Amen. But he uses this, this labor analogy. You see the labor analogy throughout the scripture. It's used often in the Old Testament. But if we look back all the way to Genesis 3.16, we find that the pain involved in childbirth was part of the curse. Right. It came from sin. Right. But Jesus, and, and I think that's part of the reason why he uses it here, because, yes, that's painful and that's miserable, but Jesus broke the curse. <clears throat> Jesus came to break the curse. Amen. And he says the joy that, that will come after that, as the, after he's done what's necessary, after the pain has been experienced, the joy is going to be so much. Now, I, I, I don't imagine that there's any woman that actually forgets how much that hurt. No. But the thing is, it becomes, it becomes nothing in comparison to the joy right. of having a child. And so much so that they'll do it again. Right. Sometimes, multiple times. Right. <laughs> because it's worth it. The memory remains, but it's, it's overcome. It's inconsequential compared to the joy right. exactly. of the new life. That's right. The joy came. The joy keeps coming. Amen. It came at the resurrection when they 
they saw the Lord again. I think of uh, even, of course, you know, there's the times that he appears to them uh, in, in, as they're gathered together in, uh, in the room and he walks through the wall. But I also think of the time when he's on the, on the shore and he, uh, Peter, once he realizes it's Jesus on the shore, jumps off the boat into the water. <laughs> Yeah. He's not going to wait for the boat to be get there. He's got to, he's got to be to Jesus now. Right. That's kind of, that kind of joy. The joy came at the coming of the Holy Spirit. And we saw the church multiply. And yes, the joy continues as, as we as we commune with the Holy Spirit, as He fills our hearts, as we understand his word as we get deeper in that relationship and yes the joy will come right. in that day when we see him face to face when he comes back Amen. and he rules the world oh Lord let that day come soon yes. I suppose we ought to be uh, there should be a measure of hesitation there simply because we want to make sure that all the people who are supposed to be with him are, 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 are going to be with him. And, and if could there be one more? Could, we ought to be thinking that way, I suppose. Could there be one more? But we are told to anticipate and to look forward to his coming. Amen. Oh, Lord, soon come. Amen. He says, no one will take your joy away from you. That joy in seeing him again, that joy that comes out of a heart that belongs to him. Nothing can take it. Nothing can destroy it. Amen. And then again, we find this, these verses. I'm going to pick up with verse 23. And on that day, you will not question me about anything. Truly, truly, I say to you, if you ask the Father for anything in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, so that your joy may be made complete. These things I have spoken to you in figures of speech. An hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you openly of the Father. On that day, you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will request of the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came forth from the Father. I came forth from the Father and have come into the world, and I am leaving the world again and going back to the Father. Do we have this phrase, on that day? And this one always puzzled me a little bit, or, or I, think, I think I misunderstood it. But he says, on this day, you're not going to ask me, on that day, you're not going to ask me more questions. Well, what, what, does, what does that mean? And the disciples certainly had questions uh, after the resurrection. 
They, we, we still have questions today that we don't know the answers to. Uh, he ascended into heaven. He's not around. None of us can, none of us can ask him personally anything right now. But we do have the Holy Spirit. Another way to read this might be uh, that they will no longer question his identity. That those questions that they have right now, uh, before he has left them, that, that he has essentially left unanswered because they're going to have to see it. They're going to have to see it to truly understand it. Those things, they're not going to, not going to have those questions anymore because... Having seen him in resurrected form, those questions are going to be answered. The things that are mysterious now will be clear then. The resurrection will answer a lot of the questions. And we know too that he spoke to them. He spoke to them for this period of 40 days and we don't have a whole lot of, of information about what he shared with them. Uh, though we can assume that much of it would later appear in the letters that they wrote that we do have in the New Testament. But then the Holy Spirit would reveal even more. But when we see Him face to face, I don't know, I, I kind of think there'd be, uh, I, 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 there's a lot of things I'd like to ask you. I don't know what that means exactly in terms of, uh, well, and we won't need to ask him because, because we'll know. Well, we can't know everything. We're not God. I, something's eventually going to fall out and keep stuff and stuff in there. But uh, I, it just won't matter. It won't be as important because the relationship will, will overshadow everything. Then he talks about asking in his name. And this is one of those things that keeps coming up. There's several times he's repeated this. Ask in my name. And it's one of those things we struggle with because oh, we ask and uh, we, we don't receive. Well, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. Back in chapter but, but he, in every case he gives us a reason. Uh, ask and, and, and you'll receive and he gives us a reason why. And those reasons why help us to put those ask and receive in, in, in context. Back in chapter 14, verses 13 and 14, where he says, it's, it, it's so that the Father will be glorified. So the, the things that we're asking and receiving are to the end that the Father will be glorified. Amen. In chapter 15, he tells us that it is a result of bearing fruit. That as, as we are working together with the Lord, as we're abiding in Him and we're producing fruit, we're asking and, and receiving because we're in harmony with Him. And here he says that your joy may be complete. Now that seems to have a different flavor to it. That seems to say, I, 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 I want you to, uh, I want you to be benefited from this too. But I think that then again, it comes back to us working together with Him. It comes to when you love somebody, 
You take joy in what gives them joy. Right. And so that our joy may be full in that case, I think, has to do with the fact that we are working together with him, that we are of the same mind, of the same purpose, and he delights in giving us what we ask for uh, because it's what he wanted us to have, or he, what he wanted to do for us anyway. We're in concert. And yeah, that's going to, that's going to cause our joy to be full. The first time he uh, says this, he says, ask me. The other times he says, ask the Father. But he also says, I and the Father are one. So what I take from that, because because I've been asking this question, I've been reading the scripture, and most everywhere that I read a prayer, I don't find anyone addressing Jesus. I don't find anyone addressing the Holy Spirit. Uh, you know, obviously when he's here, they talk to him. But as far as his prayer goes, I only find people addressing Father. But what I see, what I see here when I read this, or what it helps me realize is, you're not. It's all right if you want to ask Jesus. Father and Jesus are one. The Holy Spirit is also one with Jesus and Father. I don't think he I don't think it matters so much which one uh, I could be wrong about this, but I don't think it matters so much which name you use as it does that you are seeking relationship with the one who loves you. Right. And that you're asking in the first place. But on that day it's another thing that keeps, uh, another one of those terms that keeps coming up. He says, we've already talked about, you'll ask me no questions. He will speak openly of the Father, he says. And he's not going to speak. Now, up until this point, he'd been speaking to them a lot of times with, uh, with illustrations, with parables. Mm-hmm. But you don't see... Uh, in the, the letters that the apostles write, you don't see that same format. Uh, we're, we're no longer using illustrations. We're no longer using parables. We're spelling out, this is how you live. This is what you do. This is how your relationship with the Lord should look. And it, it, it's written out plainly. We have a new level of relationship that comes because of Jesus, what he did. Right. And in that day, we will ask in his name, and know that he will and, and, and know that he will answer. Asking with his authority, we're not just talking about using his name when we ask, we're talking about asking with his authority, which we can only have if we're asking for what he wants. That's right. <coughs> then he says the Father loves you. And the reason why this works is because the Father loves you. And he loves you because you love me. That's right. And because you love me and because you believed me. Because you believed that I, that I came from the Father. Now, I had to go back and check on this one because I remembered something that he said earlier. Uh, when he seemed to indicate that uh, they didn't love him. 
or at least that their love wasn't complete. Back in chapter 14, verse 28, when he was talking to them again about going to the Father, he says, if you loved me, you would rejoice. So, okay, which is it, Lord? Well, I looked at the, at the uh, you pull out one of those interlinear translations and looked at the Greek words. And what you find in chapter 14, you find a guy yeah. that... Uh, that love that does not require anything in return, that love that uh, is, is freely given, and that's the love that's described by 1 Corinthians 13, it's the love that we're all told to have for God and for each other. Uh, a love that is, is, is without, uh, without exception, without, uh, without an expectation of, of anything in return. But the word that is being used here it's not agape, it's phileo. It's the familial love, the personal love, the friendship love. God has a special love for you because you love His Son. Right. He appreciates you personally. And we know that God so loved the world, but with His children, there is a deeper level of relationship. Oh, that's so awesome to think about. The creator of the universe, he doesn't just love you generically because he loves everybody. He loves you particularly. I think, too, about the... You also see this difference in words when uh, Peter, uh, back in, or over in chapter 20, we'll get to that later, uh, but... In chapter 20, when Peter has, we just talked about him coming up on the shore, and later Jesus asked him, do you love me? And if you look at that, it's, it's Peter, Jesus is using one word, and Peter's using a different word. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus then changes and uses Peter's word, but he still says the same thing, feed my sheep. The requirement, the, the, the command doesn't change. God takes us where we're at. And he'll honor that. He'll honor that kind of love too. He says, Jesus is saying here, he came from Father and he's returning to the Father. And then he uh, he comforts them with one last word. But the disciples here, and this is another one that always kind of puzzled me, because the disciples say, say in, I'm not going to read through it, but they say in 29 and 30, we get it now. Uh, we believe that we believe you are who you are. Uh, you, you, you've been saying, you're not speaking in riddles anymore. We get it. And I, I wonder, because I think about the things that Jesus has been saying, and in my mind at least, he hasn't said anything different. He's saying the same thing. He's been saying it different ways. But he's been saying the same thing for three chapters now. And I, I guess I think about that in terms of, of, of a teacher or a preacher. You say the same thing over and over and over again. You say it in different ways. You keep speaking the truth because... Everybody hears things in, in their own way and in their own time, and one day suddenly it clicks. Not that I said anything different, or not that Jesus said anything really different than he'd been saying before, but 
That was the moment for them in which it came together. Right. Okay, I got it. Well, I understand what you've been saying now. So, yeah, I repeat myself, but hey, I got a good old love. <laughs> right. But now, so now they're saying, now they're saying, okay, you're speaking clearly, we get it. And, and we know uh, that you know, uh, you know everything. You don't even need for us to ask you questions. You, uh, you already know what we're talking, what, 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 what we need to know. And maybe that comes from the fact that he knew what they were talking about back in verse 19, uh, even though they hadn't come and asked him yet. But now they believe. But Jesus, in verses 31 and 32, says effectively, Oh, do you really? Uh, because you're just about to run off and leave me. But yet, the Father's still with me. Father is still with him up until that final moment on the cross when he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he took on our sins. But Jesus, even knowing that uh, maybe they're not as well off, maybe they're not as close as they think they are, they still got some growing to do. But Jesus still, even at this, is offering them comfort. I'm going to end with verse 33. These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. He speaks to them uh, to bring them peace, and that peace comes through him. And, and, and he echoes there what he said back in. in Chapter 14, verse 27. My peace I leave with you, not as the world gives. But the Holy Spirit will be the agent of that peace. The world's going to give us nothing but trouble. But Jesus has come that we might have life and peace. Amen. He has overcome the world. And notice something there. Uh, even though his work wasn't done yet, he, he wasn't complete. The, the things that he had set out to do would not be complete for a little bit more time yet, but he's already speaking of it as a done deal. He says, I have overcome the world. That's right. Because from the beginning of the time, Jesus knew, God knew what it was going to take. And even though it wasn't finished, it was finished. God had already ordained it, and it would be just the way that God said it would be. It was planned from the beginning, and everything that he said that hasn't happened yet, that'll happen too. That's right. That statement puts quite simply the good news of the gospel. I have overcome the world. Your Heavenly Father loves you. And I've said this all, I've said this already because I'm getting ahead of myself because I, 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 I love it so much. But 
He loves you. There's a love that's freely given to the whole world. But there's a love, and that love doesn't require anything uh, of us. But there's a love, and that, that love motivated him to send Jesus, and Jesus to die for us. It's, it's, very, it's the highest form of love. And it's a love that we're required. We're required to have that same love for him and for each other. But he also loves you personally. Yes, he does. He made you special. And he likes what he made. Mm -hmm. And it endears you to him all the more when you feel the same way about Jesus, his son. Begin to experience that love as you commune with His Spirit. This love is reserved for His children. And begin to walk then in the fullness of joy that comes from abiding in Him. There's another, He, he, he mentioned that a couple of times too. He talked about our joy being full, our joy being complete. And it comes when we're walking with Him, when we're keeping His commandments, when, when we're producing fruit, when we're loving Him and when we're loving each other. Right. That joy that comes when we ask and we see God work and we see God answer prayers, from that, that unity of purpose, that's, that is a source, that is a, a wonderful source of joy. And it's something that He also wants for you. Joy is working together with our desires fulfilled because they are also his desires. So, we are there yet. Jesus has done all that he needs to do. His sacrifice has already paid our debt. He has given us his word. He has given us his spirit. Now, it's up to us to respond. That first step, obviously, is to surrender. To surrender our lives to Him. To give ourselves over and let Him be the Lord. But then each day, to choose life and not death. To choose blessing and not cursing. To strive to live what we believe. To keep learning what that is. And to bring others along. The Holy Spirit is here to help. Until that final day when our joy will be truly completed. When we will all see His face. When all evil will be no more. When God 
is with us completely and forever. Lord, soon come. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I, I, I feel like I didn't do a very good job of pulling this together. It's so, your word is so full of, of life and it's, there's so much to be learned from it. But I know that your word is truth. And Lord, I just pray that your truth will penetrate our, penetrate our hearts. Mm-hmm. That, uh, that we will come to know it. That we will come to know you in a way that, that causes our light to shine brightly. That that, that that joy that you have placed in us will radiate out from us. That will be attractive. That we will bring in those who need to know you. I'm not interested, Lord, in putting on a good show, although I'm not opposed to putting it to, uh, to attract a little attention to ourselves. I'm more interested in your show. I'm more interested in you doing, uh, you working through us in a way that, uh, that is irresistible. So thank you, Lord. Thank you as you bring us along through this journey. We got some pain, but we know that the joy that follows is uh, will be inexpressible and will be complete. So we look forward to that day, and we rejoice in what you are doing now, and we trust that you are in fact in control and doing our work. And we look forward to we look forward to seeing the fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.